This is the Counselor 101 Podcast, where our mission is to encourage, educate, and empower helpers like you. Hi there. Welcome to the Counselor 101 Podcast. My name is Paola Fusler. I am so excited to be here with you today uh, to chat with you a little bit about vicarious trauma. As a trauma therapist myself, I am a licensed professional counselor, a registered play therapist. My specialty is in child trauma therapy. So I see a lot of survivors of childhood trauma and children that have experienced any sort of trauma. And so this is a conversation that's definitely near and dear to my heart. Um, If you're not part of the Counselor 101 community yet, and you're just listening to the podcast, I wanted to remind you why we're here. Uh, You know, we really want to encourage, educate, and empower helpers to have the maximum impact on clients and communities. And I think that that's... um, really why I decided to be part of Counselor 101, really to be able to give others something that I felt like I wasn't given. Uh, And sometimes, you know, that's part of being, you know, here at uh, Clear Hope and part of the Hope team is having a supportive community and a supportive team, uh, a chaplain on staff, things that are really important to be able to help uh, the helpers. And so, as I think about, uh, you know, many people who burn out, for example, which again, um, you know, I'm talking about vicarious trauma today, but I definitely don't want you to think that it's the same thing as burnout. You know, burnout happens over time and people leave helping professions uh, because they are exhausted and it builds up over time, uh, you know, with where wanting to help others and wanting to give your all and do your very best becomes exhausting and uh, burnout can definitely happen over time especially in a helping profession of any sort and so not to confuse that at all with vicarious trauma Uh, so just to clarify that Um, and so I wanted to really work today or you know just kind of share uh, my own experience with trauma and vicarious trauma share a little bit of my own experience but also help you understand the difference and so vicarious trauma some people call it compassion fatigue obviously if you are in a helping profession you understand the toll that it takes to care for others Uh, Some people call it the cost of caring. And so the American Counseling Association, you know, points this out as secondary traumatic stress or secondary victimization. And, you know, when I work with survivors of any sort of trauma, you know, sometimes children, for example, their parents will struggle with vicarious trauma. They will struggle with the secondary victimization of their child having gone through a traumatic incident. And so this can happen not just to helpers, but also to some of our clients and the survivors that we work with. Um, And so really vicarious trauma, as the American Counseling Association would um, define it, is the emotional residue of exposure that counselors have from working with people as they are hearing their trauma stories and become witnesses to the pain, fear, and terror that trauma survivors have endured. Oh, it's a lot. Uh, But you do this every single day as helpers. You know, we have the great privilege of sitting with our clients day in and day out 
and hearing their stories and becoming witnesses to the things that they have gone through. And so although it is a great privilege and an honor to walk with people and be part of their journey and their story, it uh, also becomes emotionally taxing and it can become something that's what I consider and I call it just heavy um, on the soul because you are hearing uh, a lot of very difficult situations and when you think about uh, you know us as caring professionals we didn't get into this profession because we (laughs) didn't care you got into it because you care deeply about people and you want to help them and in their journeys and so part of that is that um, you you feel deep empathy and, and compassion for others. And this can become, you know, very heavy for you and um, part of that secondary trauma and secondary victimization. So I want to go through um, just some symptoms and signs that you might be experiencing this because maybe as you start to hear this, you'll say, oh, well, maybe that's what I'm experiencing. Um, even if you're not a trauma therapist, as I consider myself to be, Uh, you will have, you know, people that come to you that have some sort of trauma. And I would say probably, you know, even if you don't consider yourself a trauma therapist or if you're a helper within the school, you see trauma every day. Um, Even as we go through, you know, grief situations with our clients or students, um, those that we work with, grief can also be very traumatic. Sudden loss can be very traumatic. Um, you know, different uh, things like you know suicide attempts or other things that you might experience can also be traumatic. Uh, so trauma is trauma to the person that experienced it. So that's really what I want you to think about first. Um, you know, not everybody um, will consider themselves a trauma therapy, but you de- therapist, excuse me, but you definitely do trauma work when you're working with um, others and helping and sitting with them in in their pain and their suffering. Uh, so I want to start first um, with just giving some signs and symptoms for us as helpers, counselors, um, you know, therapists, whatever helping a profession that you are in, you can certainly experience this. And so um, I want to start with um, the as I started doing a little bit of research and um, because that, as I understand it I also want to you know kind of hear what other people are saying about it um, especially after we come off of um, you know COVID's not over but it certainly feels like we're moving forward and like we're not obviously not in lockdown and although lockdown again was very traumatic for many people you know, we're not in that space anymore and necessarily living in that way yet there's still very much the effects of what happened um, in 2020 and the struggle and the um, suffering and grief and loss that was experienced collectively and so uh, when you're working with people when they're you know you're working with students you're working with um, you know survivors of any sort you know that's kind of even the baseline that you can use right this collective trauma that everybody went through And when you are the, you know, person that's the helper, you know, whether you're in, um, like myself, a therapist, a counselor, um, you know, it can even be uh, law enforcement, uh, EMS, firefighters, other professions that deal uh, with any sort of trauma survivors at any point. Uh, And we all have uh, trauma exposure on a daily basis because, 
when our clients or students, people are coming to us to tell their stories, um, it is as though they are retelling. And I often call this re-victimization if you're repeating. And, you know, sometimes it feels as though they are reliving the entire situation and it's happening right in front of you. Um, The other thing that could happen is, you know, again, you know, parents whose children have experienced a traumatic event, um, hearing it from their child, it's it's also a form of victimization. Um, Looking at videos, for example, and this is one thing that I won't do even myself as a as a protection uh, from myself because, you know, videos float around on YouTube or Um, You know, different uh, things that we watch on the news can definitely be traumatic. And so these are just examples that I'm giving because sometimes we don't even think about how we might be victimized on a daily basis. Uh, You know, certainly if you are anywhere in the Houston area or you understand, um, you know, natural disasters, you know, we go through that, uh, you know, quite often in this area where there's hurricanes and there's great loss and trauma and fear. And so that there are just so many different ways uh, that we can experience trauma as individuals that as helpers, we can experience vicarious trauma really in many, many ways. And so when you are exposed to it, um, sometimes you, you know, as a helper can become even fearful yourself or even a bit cynical about the world uh, because it is so, I mean, it just almost seems like, well, trauma is everywhere, you know, and so um, you become, you know, you can become in many ways um, desensitized or it can affect you in a way and that is like a trauma exposure. So let me get into the signs and symptoms. And so this is coming again from American Counseling Association and some of this will actually come from the Office of Victims of Crime. And so just different things that you can look up to uh, look at or you can look up um, after this podcast if you want some more information or if you really you know forward this to a friend or something that you um, might think it would be helpful for and so the signs and the symptoms so i'm gonna go through them quite quickly so it could be uh, you know negative reactions to it or, or signs or symptoms that you're experiencing this is difficulty talking about feelings, managing emotions, um, feeling like you're, um, there's anger, irritation, startle effect, being jumpy, uh, feeling emotionally numb or shut down, um, overeating, undereating, kind of that emotional um, eating or undereating, um, actual physical symptoms, right? So headaches, pains, uh, you know, your immune system. So you can actually be more susceptible to illness, you know, colds or flu or that, you know, kind of thing, because your entire body is taking a, it's taking a toll on your entire body. Um, A difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. And so uh, being, you know, just kind of wide awake, rethinking or reliving uh, different situations that have happened or that you heard from your clients. So losing sleep over that, right? And, you know, in my personal experience, working with children, their stories are often quite difficult to hear because I often ask myself, who would do this to a child, right? Like I, 
it I can't fathom and it doesn't make sense to me and so there have been times where that is traumatic to hear and where you know I've had to really check in with myself is this me experiencing vicarious trauma and and sometimes I have to say yes it is because I'm you know might have a nightmare or might wake up in the middle of the night just thinking about um, this client and their story. And so this is something that that's very easy to happen, right? We're, we're constantly processing and, and dealing with our emotions, even when we're not sitting in our offices or, or at work. Um, being easily distracted or uh, just, you know, kind of out in a daze or um, feeling, you know, worried that um, you're not doing enough dreaming like I said that a little bit earlier uh, feeling that uh, you're excessively worried about your clients um, or even having just a hopelessness so earlier I said something about being a bit cynical and and that can happen but also just feeling hopeless about the world and the future and just kind of oh my goodness like what why am I doing this is this even helpful uh, you know how is this even you know going to to help or work after this this person has experienced such a traumatic incident um, and that could bring in you know some diminished joy in the things that you used to enjoy um, feeling really kind of trapped in in the work that you're doing feeling like it's senseless or like you're really not having an effect and um, again it goes into that uh, emotional capacity capacity threshold and so are you able to manage your own emotions you know are you irritable or explosive or uh, you know aggressive Uh, are you having maybe taking on some behaviors for coping Uh, so maybe things like excessively drinking again I go back to the under overeating Uh, other risky behaviors that um, you know are just kind of you're using them to cope but is it good coping skills or is it an addictive behavior is it something that uh, you, you could be concerned about Um, And so maybe kind of withdrawing. Um, A lot of people do withdraw from their family and friends. And this is a difficult part because, um, you know, as, you know, being married to a therapist, for example, or um, a counselor or, um, you know, any sort of helper can be extremely difficult because it's hard to tell, um, you know, should I lean in? Should I find out if there's something going on? And I'll get into that in just a minute. Um, but really, the withdrawing can happen um, or conflicts can arise, um, avoiding family members, avoiding intimacy, things that uh, you used to enjoy, you no longer enjoy. And, um, and or even having more severe forms of vicarious trauma, which could be things like intrusive thoughts about the abuse or the memories. Um, and again, the idea that, um, you know, PTSD um, can happen. It's a combination of symptoms, but it can happen, you know, experiencing uh, and working with very, very difficult trauma cases, or um, like I said, even a collective trauma and difficult situations can lead um, to uh, symptoms of PTSD. And so some of the behaviors, again, um, you know, that irritability, maybe not withdrawing, not wanting to uh, be close to others, feeling just emotionally distanced. Um, in the in the workplace, you know, it can look like conflicts with other staff or, you know, 
poor relationships, uh, feeling like you actually want to avoid working with clients that have trauma histories because you're just avoiding trauma um, or, you know, wanting to, um, you know, not wanting to reach out for help, almost, you know, feeling like you're on an island almost with your trauma and with the trauma that you're dealing with with other, uh, with your clients. And so it begins to wear. So it does sound a little bit like burnout, but this is a more, um, when, I, when I think about vicarious trauma, it's, it's really something that impacts the work and that may uh, begin to really, uh, when those PTSD symptoms begin to uh, manifest themselves outside of your work and um, when it's really um, disruptive and that kind of um, vicarious trauma is what we're paying attention to. Um, And of course, vicarious trauma can lead to burnout and compassion fatigue and those things. Um, but it's really about what we're looking at is uh, about that secondary victimization and dealing with that uh, secondary traumatic stress. Um, and so <clears throat> I said earlier something about, um, you know, others that are around you. So maybe your um, significant other or, you know, your family members, uh, you know, coworkers, they might notice that something's going on, but they might not really know quite how to help. Um, especially if you're withdrawing, especially if uh, the, the vicarious trauma has gotten to that point um, where maybe you feel like quitting or maybe, you know, you just have such a negative attitude or perception that it's very, very difficult and hopeless and detached um, that other people just might not be able to or might feel like they don't know how to help. Um, and so one of the biggest things that um, is suggested, um, and as I started, again, doing some research about this, it's really about having others around you that are very aware of vicarious trauma and how it is different, how it affects people, and how it can have negative reactions, not just in the workplace, but really in every aspect of your life. So for coworkers and supervisors, it's that awareness, uh, discussing vicarious trauma as part of the workplace, as part of supervision, as part of the workplace conversations, Um, having a bit more flexibility, uh, right? That, um, you know, when we are in helping professions, uh, our boundaries need to be really good, that we need to uh, protect some of our time when we need time to refresh and restore and be able to refill that tank, uh, that that's going to be something that coworkers and those in, you know, management supervision, that they understand uh, that that's something that uh, you will need uh, because that's, um, part of the healing journey when you've experienced uh, secondary uh, victimization or or traumatic stress. Um, So reach out and make sure that you're having these conversations with coworkers and with those that you supervise. Um, Make sure that there is a a constant communication about, uh, you know, caseload, about how your staff is feeling um, to make sure that there's an importance placed on boundaries and, um, you know, making sure that outside of the workplace that things are not bleeding over to that that we as um, helpers support each other and, um, you know, kind of be that 
that uh, person that they can reach out to, right? Hey, I'm feeling like this, you know. Um, one of the biggest uh, pluses and something that I love about uh, being on the HOPE team is that we have a chaplain on staff that uh, you can – you know, reach out to and have support. But there are also uh, other people on our staff that are supports. Uh, You know, we have a clinical supervisor and we have an executive director. And so there are so many others that we can reach out to and who understand the work and who understand that vicarious trauma is very real. And so beginning by allowing that to be part of a conversation that has had an open door uh, that, um, you know, people are able to, you know, employees, you know, helpers are able to come in and have these difficult discussions because it is so important. Um, And if it gets to the point where you feel like, you know, you're the secondary victimization, that vicarious trauma, the symptoms are getting so severe, you know, seeking out your own help. Um, You know, you are a helper, but we also need help as helpers. Uh, You know, we need to find a good therapist, to find uh, someone that we're able to work through, um, you know, those more difficult issues and having that. And one of the things that, uh, you know, as a therapist is building in uh, not only a support system, you know, within your workplace or within your office or your school or wherever it is that you may be, but also maybe building out that with someone that's not part of that, Um, because that way they are a bit more objective and outside of it. And especially if you're in in an environment where everyone's dealing with vicarious trauma or where everyone's feeling, uh, you know, like like just heavy and like everything's just been so difficult, then reaching out outside of that is really, really healthy. One of the biggest suggestions too, when you're experiencing vicarious trauma is to do, you know, writing, journaling, uh, meditation, prayer, uh, other activities that help you stay connected, grounded, and um, that help you process what you are, because you are, you're processing your client's process. You know, whatever it is that they're going through, you're experiencing it as well. And so that's something to honor and to hold and hold space for. And so find something that helps you process that. Um, You know, um, for me specifically, you know, um, I haven't built this back into my routine post-COVID, so I'm trying. um, But running was really how I did that, right? So it's a lot of process happens when I'm running. Um, or, you know, when I'm biking, and that's one thing that I have recently built in. Um, but even, you know, as I'm doing my makeup sometimes in the morning, you know, I'm listening to a sermon or good, positive uh, music or some sort of funny podcast or something that is going to build in uh, something for myself, a, a bit of self-care, Um, in that moment because as I'm taking care of others, I also need to be cared for. Uh, And so suggestions for family members. So let's just say that you're, you know, not a helper. You're just listening to our podcast because you want to figure out how to help your helper. So if you're a family member of, uh, you know, providers, uh, whether you're, you know, um, a family member or, you know, a partner uh, to uh, someone that's a counselor, you know, teacher, therapist, 
you know, one of the first things to do is notice, right? You you know that person really well, obviously, and you're able to notice when things are a bit off. And so sharing those concerns, uh, being able to have ways to support that person. And, um, and the, the difficult part is when someone's having, you know, symptoms of vicarious trauma that are behavioral, like being snappy or irritable or rude or just tired and exhausted, that it might seem really personal for those around you, for family members or others around you. But really it's being aware that it really has, um, that it's not about you, that it's about the work and that it's really difficult, but that that needs to be pointed out and cared for. Um, that this, that, um, you know, whoever it is that you're thinking of, if they're withdrawing or maybe not caring for themselves like they normally do, that that be something that you're able to point out and um, to really uh, be able to reach in and figure out how to best help this person get either help from you or from someone else, the help that they need. Um, taking that time to engage with them and, and making sure that they're engaging in not only in self-care, but um, in just good um, family time and investing in that relationship. Because really, you know, as helpers, you know, we're here, we're helping people day in and day out. And then we don't want to go home and dump on our families, right? We want to make sure that we're not um, taking that home with us in a way that's unhealthy. And so I want to encourage you that um, vicarious trauma is something that we can work through and work on. But the first thing is having an awareness of it. Uh, the first thing, uh, having not only having an awareness, but also understanding what it is and that you might be experiencing it or you might be impacted by secondary victimization or traumatic stress. And so now that you've learned a little bit more about vicarious trauma, if you feel like you or one of your coworkers or a supervisee or, you know, a, a fellow counselor is dealing with something like this, you know, have them not only listen to this maybe, but print out some resources for them. You know, let them know that you share some concerns. And if it's you that's experiencing vicarious trauma, you know, take care of yourself. Uh, you may be in a persistent state of arousal. You may be feeling stressed consistently and um, not unable to sleep and irritable and um, all of those behaviors that may uh, contribute to um, eventual burnout. So take care of yourself when you notice that that secondary victimization, when you notice that vicarious trauma, make sure that you're processing this trauma just as much as we want our clients to process their trauma and to work through their fears and, uh, and all of the experiences that have caused them uh, to end up in our offices, we should do the same for ourselves as helpers. So I want to encourage you today that if you are struggling with some vicarious trauma, that there is help available. Uh, that uh, there are many resources. We're here for you at Counselor 101. If you have not yet, and maybe, um, you know, one of the things that I forgot to mention is that sometimes we're dealing with cases that we feel not equipped to deal with or that we feel like we're not really being helpful. And so remember that you're not alone, that uh, you got into this helping profession because you care about people and that's um, you know, something that uh, keeps us going, right? And so when you are dealing with this vicarious trauma, compassion fatigue, um, 
please, please take care of yourself. And some of that may come through great resources like Counselor 101. And, you know, if you haven't already done a one-on-one coaching session, I encourage you to do that. And that's kind of another place where if somebody like one of us as coaches, uh, you know, notices something that we can be able to point out. Because sometimes if you're not, um, you know, talking to anybody about what you're dealing with, then there's no way somebody can point that out. And so we're here for you. We're here to support you as a helper. And if you have any questions about this podcast or anything related to Counselor 101, please reach out. Um, It has been a joy to be with you today. Thank you for listening. Again, my name is Paola Fusler for Counselor 101. I look forward to continuing this great work with you. And I hope that you found this beneficial. Again, if you have any uh, questions, you want to sign up for Counselor 101 or one-on-one coaching, uh, please reach out. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining us at the podcast of Counselor 101. I hope that you enjoy this free content, find it helpful and meaningful in your work as a helper. But do you know there's more? There's actually a lot more to Counselor 101. I'd like to invite you to take advantage of all that Counselor 101 has to offer by visiting www.counselor101.com and becoming a part of the greater community, the subscription community, where you can, for a very low monthly fee, join a community of nine mental health clinicians who are available to help build community, to educate, encourage, and empower you to do the important work of a helper. Just a few of the things you'll find over at Counselor 101 through our subscription website is access to training videos. New training videos are uploaded weekly, and you can even have access to CEUs if you're a licensed clinician in the state of Texas, an LPC, LCSW, or LMFT. In addition, we have downloadable files that range from interventions to frequently used assessments to frequently used diagnosis, just all of those things that you need to streamline and begin your work as a helper. Then not to mention access to a private Facebook group where you can interact very frequently with the team of Counselor 101. You can ask questions, you can join pop-up office hours, you can get some case consultation. All of this is a part of the subscription membership at Counselor101.com. So pop on over, check us out. We can't wait to see you in that community.